0: Yo, what is up, y'all? We're back here on another Wednesday for another episode of the Balls ATV podcast. Joined by my boys Drew and Alex here. Uh, Lo not here with us this week. She's out of town, kind of living her best life. So we're going to, you know, dive into some Ball State review. Look forward to the, you know, the second game of the Johnny Majors Classic. Um, you know, everyone's kind of hyped for that. All the energy is there. Uh, obviously, starting off 1-0, you know, jump in. 1-0, start the season on a Thursday. Nice crowd at Nealon Stadium overall I get the W, fifty nine ten on Ball State. Drew, how was, how was the, uh, your Thursday?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, it was uh, – yes, apologize in the background. Some oh, my ass God. Ass, <laughs> my
2: friends, Let's go crazy. racing. Uh, Holy shit. <laughs> what a dick.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, great crowd for a Thursday night. I was beyond impressed. You know, I thought they were maybe be about 80, 85, kind of like similar how last year. I think they said it wound up being almost 93,000 people there. So, for – a Thursday night, and all of the nightmare of the ticket situation that they have over there now, Uh, it was very impressive. And, you know, Tennessee came out of the gates. Obviously, Ball State tried to, you know, run that ridiculous trick play at the very first play of the game and completely backfired. And we just never looked back at that point. Um, I think overall you can't really ask for much more. You know, I mean, 38-0 to at halftime. You wound up winning the game by seven touchdowns. You covered the spread. So, Overall, good performance. A couple of things I tweak here and there, but we'll obviously get into that discussion later on. So, overall, very happy.
2: Yeah, I mean, you really can't be mad when you win by seven touchdowns. Um, of course, like you said, Drew, there are there are things that, like, I kind of wish we we would have seen. Um, hopefully that they can tighten up and, and make look better for this weekend, obviously, because this is a huge weekend. Um, I think this, this weekend really sets the tone for the rest of the season going forward. And we find out a lot more about our team after this weekend. But definitely definitely an all-around good weekend. Almost 600 yards of offense, 59 points. Held them to one touchdown and a field goal. Can't be too, too mad about that. Obviously, we're going to find something to get mad about about because that's us. But uh, all in all, I like it. Yeah, I mean, all around a sound, sound really good win.
0: You know, offensively, Hendon Hooker, two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns. You know, kind of took a little second to get in that groove. Got all of his wide receivers involved. You saw Jalen Hyatt, obviously, with the first touchdown. Bru McCoy having three good catches for 40-something yards there. Uh, you know, making some good comebacks to save Hooker on some, you know, pretty bad balls, you know, make the catch over to some ball state defenders. And then obviously Cedric Tillman, probably the most consistent of them all, but having a quiet day. All in all, I was really, you know, happy with our offense. You saw Jabari small. I thought Jalen Wright looked good. Dylan Sampson, true freshman, getting his first touchdown as an NCAA player. So Huge, huge for that uh, defensively, obviously the, the big topic was not coming out with a sack, but I think that even though we didn't come out with a sack, these guys are probably getting the ball out faster than we are. Um, the guy, their coach being in a former arena football player, he kind of schemed for that, being that kind of coaching staff. So props to that quarterback for getting the ball out. But I think even though we did kind of, when we got pressure, he was just throwing it out of balance. Anyway, I was kind of happy with our uh, our overall DB play. I think Jeremy Banks could have played better on the defensive side. Uh, Aaron Beasley, on the other hand, had a great game. Uh, Juwan Mitchell not dressing out. That's concerning. We can dive more into that. But all around, you know, good side of football on both sides. 17 freshmen playing on both sides, making their ball debut. All around a good Thursday night to open up the season. So,
1: Yeah, I wanted to ask, like, both of you guys um, on this one, what was, like, the one thing that kind of stood out for both of you all um, that game last Thursday, like for me, and I mean, it'd be probably kind of a little bit surprising, but for me, it's like how impressive like Joe Milton looked when he came in the second half. I mean, that that touchdown he had to Jimmy Calloway, that is probably the best story he's ever had here. I mean, it's one of the best touchdowns, like just pure dimes of the ball that I've seen in quite a while. Um, but, you know, I mean, what's was what y'all's tech, takeaways? One thing that really stood out to you in that game?
2: you got I to the, over.
0: Yeah, I, I guess to touch on the Joe Milton part, like not only that, that pass, but then that that one read option run where he had the option and then he cuts back and he goes, you know, 25 yards on a broken play kind of, that was mad impressive to, you know, change direction in the field, even though respectfully it's ball state. But to have that kind of change of direction and speed and agility, like we all knew athletically that he's had it, you know, last year before he got, you know, and then took over. Joe was on his like crazy on his feet. Obviously, I think this is a better rusher. just of how big he is and how powerful he can be. But I think, you know, obviously kind of had to shift to, you know, Dylan Sampson. But then a the guy that, you know, made a really, you know, didn't do a lot, but made a really early appearance, Elijah Herring, the true freshman uh, linebacker. He was out there on the first play with Tamari and got that pick. You know, it shifted really well. I thought overall those freshmen played great. You had him, Tyree West. So just to see that 2022 class, um, I was kind of nervous to, you know, hear that that many people are contributing. It's kind of saying like, hey, how bad is our death for our roster for these, you know, 17 to 25 kids? making this much of an impact, but man, they, you know, they gave, you know, 15 to 20 snaps in that first game, which was key. And, you know, to have that kind of depth, you know, for the future, and what we're building on that was, you know, really good to see in my opinion. So, yeah. So I'm gonna
2: go, I'm gonna go with a little, uh, a little hooker TD, um, one where he rolled out to the left, he extended the play and crossbody throw to Walker Merrill in the back of the end zone. Honestly, we were sitting here talking about Hyatt and Keaton and McCoy and Tillman. And we were talking about all the games that they were going to have. Left Walker Merrill off that list, and then he goes and gets a big touchdown right across the middle. And honestly, it's it's so impressive to me to watch a right-handed quarterback roll out left, throw it across body, and throw a dime right on the money, hit him in the chest. Just a beautiful throw. And honestly, those types of throws make you excited for what else is to come. Obviously, there were times when Hooker was a little bit off, and Milton was also a little bit off. But again, it's still game one. Uh, but even though, even with all of that, game one we were still had we still had our clicks on offense, and we still had times where we looked unbeatable. Um, and I think it was more of we held ourselves back at times than it was Ball State actually stopping us. So that's also really encouraging going forward. But yeah, no, I just love that pass across the middle, across body as well.
1: Yeah, no, that was, that was a good point actually. I kind of somewhat remember that touchdown, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I did watch <laughs> highlights. Like, I mean, you know, that's the thing though. Like he's made such a huge improvement on those, like you know just awkward throws rolling out of the pocket. I mean, compared to last year especially, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it just shows – I mean, I, I think it shows how, you know, how great the staff is, especially Josh Heupel, to show that he can have those improvements at the quarterbacks. I mean, you know, I think probably as far as one, two quarterbacks, Tennessee probably has the best. I mean, I never had any worry whatsoever of Joe Milton being in there like last week. Grant, it was Ball State, but like, dude, I mean, like yeah. they just keep a beat. I mean – you know, at least with your backups and your third strings, you kind of slow down things a little bit. But, like, yeah. I mean, they were just running the same pace as, you know, as they were with Hooker out there. So, yeah, it's just exciting to see. It's a very exciting time here at Rock Shop.
0: I guess I guess to kind of touched on that, you know, improvement from last year. You know, kind of last year, that throwing the run to Javante Payton in the end zone. I forgot which game it was where he dismissed him. But, you know, he was wide open. And then this year, to see him roll out to the left, you know, cross body like that, make a crazy throw to Walker Merrill that kind of got slept on. That was crazy to see. And then, you know, touching the quarterbacks, we played four quarterbacks, Joe Milton, you know, Hindenhooker, Taven Jackson, and maybe Shuler even got in there. And, you know, we still put up 59 points and had a crazy offensive game. So to say, like, even though we stopped the pace, probably like even the third quarter after the first drive, and then we still put up, you know, 59 points, obviously the turnover on, you know, Taven Jackson's first drive, that wasn't really his fault, just kind of seeing those young guys get in there. But, man, like all in all, man, to see that, you know, translate onto the field of, you know, guys in the first year, their first, like, real class, that was crazy to see because you saw it mean, offensively, defensively, you know, defensive line with Tyree West and Jordan Phillips. It was just, you know, crazy to see. But we didn't let up even with our younger guys in there. So Yeah.
2: yeah. Another thing I really liked is that um, I had to go back and look at this, but we pitched the first half shutout, 38 zip at the end of the first half. And yeah. also, I'm pretty sure you all have seen that video of Hopple. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was before game or at halftime, but either way, it still it got my blood boiling yeah. And when he's like, don't look up at that damn scoreboard. Like, you just keep going. It don't matter who's in front of you. Just keep playing. So just just knowing that, like, at any point in time, like, yeah, we pull up to Ball State and we do expect to win that game by multiple touchdowns. But when your coach got that type of fire and that type of energy for that game, that just gets you excited for the rest of the season going forward. And it showed. I mean, yeah, we had our lulls in the first half. But then again, like we like we were saying last year, the second quarter was a big problem. And we ended up scoring outscoring them 21-zip in the second quarter so again is that a thing or is that to say that that's what's to come for the rest of the season i don't know we'll figure it out but it's definitely promising early on so also let's let's flip that question oh wait sorry do you got something to say drew oh no
1: no, no, no. i was got... gonna
2: say i was gonna say let's flip it and say what would you like to see improved or changed going into the pick game Um oh my God. well i know what he's gonna say i mean dude i mean Name
1: secondary. I mean, like you gotta say it. I mean like, say it.
0: specifically. I'm not,
1: gonna, I'm not gonna single anyone out, okay? I'm not that guy. All right. All right. There's other guys. Really, now. last not, week you weren't that guy? I am not that guy. Okay. I, would never, new I, new new guy I would never do anything like that.
0: But man, I saw I saw you get caught out by somebody on
1: Twitter for your take last week. Well, we're, we're not gonna give him the fame that he wants. So he's already done that for us. So um <laughs> but in all Seriousness, though, like, it has to be the secondary. The one thing that was a takeaway for me is that even though they only had one touchdown, only held the 10 points, we covered the spread, they were far too easy just driving down the field, getting six, seven yards pass. I mean, John Paddock got over 250 yards of passing. We should not have the quarterback for ball-fucking-state throw two over 200 yards against us, Okay. I mean, this, this man never even th- threw a touchdown in his entire career at Ball State until last Thursday. Now, did he throw
2: one?
1: Yeah, he did. He did. He did I don't even Almost I, ran I, for I one was,
2: too, but
0: he. I was, he, uh, I was probably gone yeah, by that. Oh, I, I was at the game, but I was gone. But yeah,
1: know. I mean, it was it was like with about eight minutes left in the third quarter. I mean, he, you know, I think it was like fifty-nine to seven at that at that point. But, but he threw one in. I mean, and you know, I know that like we were playing very vanilla because we don't really want to show anything towards Pitt this weekend. And I trust Tim Banks and Rodney Gardner to have a few little tricks up their sleeves, you know, and see those improvements. But that was my one big takeaway. And, you know, I was originally going to say the defensive line, just because we didn't record a sack. But, you know, after watching that game again the other day, I mean, they were getting the ball off in less than two seconds. I mean, you know, the quarterback was freaking terrified for his life every single time because the offensive line was collapsed. So, I can't give them too much hate. But the secondary, I mean, they got set up. I mean, this – Willie Martinez and the boys have got to get shit together. I mean, like, yeah. I, there's no other way to describe it. I
0: get, I guess I'll counter that. I mean, not really counter it, but, like, to point out also with the DBs, like you said, they were throwing it in .2 seconds, and they were also throwing it negative two yards. So it's kind of hard, you know, like, playing how far off our DB was playing. I don't know why they didn't press. Maybe we just didn't feel comfortable with it or was trying to, you know, learn some things and not give anything up. But, you know, giving them that space, obviously the arena football background for their head coach, you know, playing that factor, playing quick. Obviously scouting like they did all off season. you know, playing with that speed, you know, I guess it translated on the field also in their game plan, but um, all in all, can't really be mad, can't be mad at the D-line either because, you know, I think Rodney Garner probably is pissed, even though understanding that they still got work out there, I thought the edge rushers were good. It was good to, it's still good to see like young guys like James Pierce and Joshua Joseph are two big edge rushers from last year's class. They were getting, you know, pressure in that first game, even though granted, again, it's Ball State, but I guess my thing that I would say that I want to see get better would be jabari small i think i don't know i just i feel like he could have played better i feel like because he was kind of making um there's a lot of you know runs where he just ran to the outside and kind of got stalled there for a little bit uh he did have some good flashes and good cuts but you know finally taking that running back one role you're not going to have jalen Wright, to, you know go 50 50 it probably has to be like 75 25 or you know maybe 60 40 20 or whatever 60 25 15 whatever with you know dylan sampson But I just thought that, you know, he probably could have cut up a little better and probably had that, you know, bigger, you know, role. I know he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. The quote, you know, this year, uh, talking about last year's pick game going into this week, was talking about having that chip on his shoulder. So I expect him to have a huge week two game. But I think that if you get that from, you know, a guy like that, you can have that three rotation, three headed rotation. That'd be my biggest preference right now for the offense. So
2: speaking, I got, I actually got one for offense and defense. One thing that came to my mind for the offense is that, I don't know if y'all picked up on this, but no tight end recorded a catch on Saturday or a Thursday. So as much as we were talking about uh, Prince and Fant and Jacob Warren, I I think the tight ends have to get involved because that opens up a whole other wrinkle in our offense. It opens up more weapons that you got to worry about. Obviously right now we've got receivers and we've got running backs and we've got a quarterback. If we throw in a reliable tight end option in that in that fold, that just makes us that much more dangerous. we got to get them involved. I will say Milton did overthrow – Hunter uh, was it? Hunter Salmon yeah Hunter poor, Salmon poor kid, for a touchdown. that's fine you know we kind of used to that but like he like y'all said he did play a great exactly. game and he had a, a dart to Keaton across the middle so you miss some you make some that's all right whatever but still tight ends got to get involved um and then yeah I'm, I'm with you Drew I was going to say the D line I, I was pissed about that for a minute um talking about the no sacks but then I went back and looked and we only gave up 74 rushing yards, uh, 2.7 yards of carry. Mm-hmm. But then on that back end, we gave up 270 passing, uh, about 10 yards of completion. I'm I'm not singling somebody out, but, again, it was one side of the field and one corner that led in tackles. And I just don't think that your corner should ever lead in tackles unless they are just a stud that's coming down and and either like coming off a blitz or something. And I know we weren't doing that. So if your corner is leading in tackles, there's probably a reason. It's probably because they're throwing at him. So, yeah. and if two of your
1: corners, two, no, not just one, two, My bad. if no, you're right. I mean, still the point is valid, but it's there. <laughs> if you have two of your corners leading in tackles, okay. we got problems. Okay. One
0: of those, one of those guys, though, respectfully, is a guy that definitely needs that playing experience young yes. in his career. Yes. Okay. I, I, <laughs> one of them. One of them. Not to single anyone
2: out, one of them
1: course not not to single anyone else we would never do such a thing at the show obviously yeah, never on we ways. hold ourselves to a much higher standard <laughs> but if that give that specific individual that you did mention on you know without putting out his name you know he is transitioning to a different position this year and it you know and the coaching staff does have a lot of faith in him on progressing and getting better and better i mean so there is hope on that end it is ball state but for the rest of the boys, I mean, my God, guys. I mean, like, we, we got to get this situated by Saturday. Like, I mean. I will I, say. I'm terrified at that respect. Yeah.
0: The energy, though, just, like, overall, I guess, to kind of recap it. The energy overall, obviously, seeing it on the SEC network uh, last night with the hype, you know, at halftime. But also seeing the team in general and how they were kind of playing off. Even when the young guys got in, I thought like all the older guys, the veterans now on this team were, you know, still intrigued and playing, you know. Kind of watching those young guys seeing those guys that they're coaching up as practice like you know, they're going to be the future of this program that was great to see you know the guys like Jalen McCullough and you know guys in the, the backfield with trey flowers you know seeing guys like cameron miller get out there for a play or two just to see that energy from the the older guys and the the future of the program like the, this class in general it was just great to see even though Taven jackson was out there it was just an all-around w i guess y'all yeah, want to dive in uh and if we got any more tennessee stuff i don't know if y'all do the other games around the nation, like what was going on in week one?
2: Um, I got a, I got a little bit, but if you want to go ahead, Drew.
1: Yeah, just before we transition to the other college football world, I do want to throw out this little juicy fact to both you guys, right? Mm-hmm. So this was the third time last Thursday where Tennessee scored on the first offensive play of the game under Josh Heupel, with last year obviously being Kentucky.
2: But the other one that we
1: forget a lot all the time was the pick game last year, too. Because remember they had that block punt at the very oh, true, yeah. You know, Javar Small ran in for a one-yard grab, but this is the ninth time under Heupel where we've been able to score a touchdown in under thirty seconds of an offensive possession. Which think about just just think about that first second a couple of years ago when we had that doofus over there from North Alabama as our head coach. And we didn't score in like a,
0: a game. We didn't score some games. <laughs> Could you imagine I was to score
1: seventeen? <laughs> Be, I mean, we'd be thankful to hit the 20s, I mean, much less scoring a touchdown under 30 seconds. So it just shows, like, how – I mean, like, we already know how fast this offense is. But the fact that we've already scored nine touchdowns within the past year under 30 seconds, I mean, that is just insane. And it's kind of like what, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's defensive line coach said mm. earlier today. They like they have it down to like science, hypo You know the staff does as far as the as far as this offense goes on just how fast it is. So it's just exciting. I mean, it. You know, it's the only team that I've ever seen in my life where like I couldn't even like go and get a beer while the game's going Thanks. on because I was afraid I was going to miss a touchdown. Like that's just how fast it is. So overall, though, I think we could all be excited about you know last Thursday's performance. Great crowd. It was also forgot to mention. How beautiful was it that they lit up the balls lighters?
2: I mean, that was oh my so, that, was, that was crazy. Was so, that was crazy. I got chills. In, in person, me.
0: I got like I got so chilled because they did it with the light it up song. And like I was like kind of waiting for it. They didn't do it on the first drop. And then the second drop when it came on, everyone saw that first V light up and the yeah. crowd is like shook. Like everyone got loud. It was crazy. And like for the first time in a Vols' football game, I didn't see like half the crowd get up for a halftime. Like everyone was locked into their seats waiting for that moment. And, like, even on the field, uh, the Pride of the Southland, forming the, the letters, too, that was all Ws. So, in person, man, it was just great to see. I can't wait. I hope they do it every night game. I think our Akron's a 7 o'clock game as well. Mm-hmm. So, that's going to even be a, a nice scene, too, going into heading to the Florida Week of Front Defeated. So.
1: Also, it was a little weird seeing the new Jumbotron. I'm not going to lie. I like. I love it, like, though. It was, like, I mean, it's beautiful. I mean, the whole entire party deck is amazing. Very impressive job that they've done. but i not going to lie, it was a little natural for me over there at Double L last Thursday just to naturally just turn around and, like, go look at the Jumbotron again. And, get, and like, see something? Uh, yeah, yeah after Like, oh, wait a minute. It's right here. So, yeah. yeah. I didn't have to
0: break my neck to turn around and M, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then one, one of them, like, hey, oh, what's, what's
1: that? Man. <laughs> yeah.
0: But, I also point out, too, man, I don't know how many people, Low literally had, like, 20 people come up to her in the span of, like, pregame to, like, the whole game. That that
2: woman's famous in the Vols' Steel game, like, Nice. Don't oh.
0: Very
2: hey, speaking. I was, speaking of stats, too, is uh, I saw something that was like, I think this is the fourth time in Heupel's tenure at Tennessee that he scored fifty or more points in a game. So four out of his fourteen games here, he's already scored over fifty points. And like we was just saying, we was hoping to score twenty a couple seasons back. Exactly. So that, that's absolutely crazy. But um, also, speaking of low low and brando both hit the nail on the head at fifty nine ten. we picks. went
0: crazy bro. a little,
2: little bit of a little bit of a pat on your back there drew also Man. drew was there at forty nine ten, and i was there at forty nine fourteen. so we were kind of all over the money right there with that one
1: we all thought they would cover the spread which is a good thing me lower
2: so, in yeah. our bag bro i don't
1: even know how we did it
2: <laughs> you was hey, you was doing that, that was a right was too.
0: yeah i know <laughs> I know she. That's when she got mad that I copied her thing. But I don't know, man. I just, I just felt fifty nine ten, bro. It was just, it was right.
2: No, y'all went nuts. Y'all went nuts there. So shout out, shout out, to y'all. Everybody's wanting to know we're all safe for right now. So, moving and right along. I, don't, I know it doesn't count for an
0: extra point, but getting it on the money, man. I feel like you know. I just don't want to do that punishment. I'm not trying to go out in public with no doll.
1: Just, <laughs> yeah. I've already, uh, I've already had a discussion of that with my girlfriend, and uh, it did not go well. Let's oh just, Let's just say that she's really hoping that I do not lose this competition.
2: I'm kind of honestly, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. I, I, I think you, I think you just gotta wear it. Honestly, you just gotta accept it, and yeah. the more you embrace it, the better it is. So take it to, you know, take a
1: nice, lovely dinner at the Olive Garden. You know, I mean, or red lobster, lobster <laughs> red <laughs> lobster. You know, feed her the. <laughs> Cheddar biscuits or the breadsticks at all. (laughs) I'm not sure she would enjoy it, so. Oh, man. All right, what was the way we were going to talk about? Something about – Yeah, I guess guess the
0: week one game. Before we dive into pit with our our guest who's going to join us shortly – I wanted to dive into the week one games, obviously, um, the big one in the the conference was Florida and Utah at night, Florida, you know, getting the interception in the end zone to win that game. I also want to dive into what's going down out there in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, because that is my favorite thing going on in the world right now. My best friend, Lee, uh, he's an LSU diehard fan. So just to see him like talk, you know, Brian Kelly, like as God mode. And to make that final like game decision coming into crunch time, I wanted to cover you know those two games, but week one all around, you know what what you alls thoughts around the nation?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it was a lot of great games. With I mean, I hate to say it, but Florida Utah was an outstanding game to watch. Classic. Well, Even though Ohio State Notre Dame was a really entertaining game to watch. Too, and of course, you know Florida State LSU. Uh, I mean, I was kind of <laughs> impressed a little bit how Arkansas played. You know, I mean, their defense kind of really stood. You know, made some. Big time, you know, fourth down stands at the very end. Um, and I think that was a big win for them against Cincinnati. I mean, you know, this is not the same Cincinnati team as last year, but still a very respectable, oh, and I think at the very end, we'll be a top 25 team. Man, my other takeaway is, good Lord, LSU fucking sucks, man. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God. God. I mean, if if we lose this team in October, if, if, if we lose to them, I mean, we'll, we'll never beat them again. I mean... You just know
2: they're no, hitting their stride, right, though. You, you know,
1: know they're hitting their stride. When we well, I mean, you, but, like, I've never seen – you know, I've seen a lot of bad offensive lines as a Tennessee fan, specifically 2013, 2014 when, you know, doofus Derek Daly didn't sign a single offensive line in 2012. Um, I have never seen an offensive line as bad as that. I mean, Jane Daniels is running for his life the entire time. Every
2: play. But to Every show, play.
1: like, how retarded that game was, was, you know, to muff the, the punt with two minutes left, you know, and then for – Florida State to go all the way down to one-yard line. Fumble it there as well. Just yep. for LSU to drive 99 yards to potentially tie it just for a blocked extra point. I mean, like, both of those teams are terrible. But LSU, I mean, and they're screwed too. I looked it up yeah. today just out of curiosity. Brian Kelly's buyout. He got fired this million. year. Got fired this year. would it be It would be a little bit over $81 million. Wow. Like they would have to wait for at least five to six years to get it below under forty, to get it under forty million. Yeah. They are screwed. I mean, they are beyond screwed. And you know it's bad. I mean, you know it's bad after like a year or two, where the media is like, oh, you know, they start getting a little testy. But when you have reporters already showing up late to your press conference, press conferences, and saying, well, maybe if you could win, I would be here on time. That is like. Bad a bat. I mean, I, I've never seen anything like that in my life. So really unfortunate for them. I was really hoping that I would be the same situation in Florida, but you know, of course, of course, it's Florida. I mean, they always find a way to be able to be good again when they have no business being good. So, but yeah, LSU, absolutely awful. The
2: the thing that stood out to me about that game is it literally looked like both teams wanted to lose. So, like you said, <clears throat> LSU muffs the punt with like two minutes left. Then Florida State on the one. All they had to do was hand it off. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to throw a toss. I was like, the last thing that you want to do is throw a toss because what happens when you toss it? You have a higher chance of fumbling. What does he do? He fumbles. Like, like I just don't know why you're running a toss. Anyways, so I'm like, okay, whatever, 120. In, in LSU fashion, they're probably going to go down here, score it, tie it up, and, like, make this, make this stuff fun. So then, of course, they go down, they score that touchdown. So then lining up that PAT – Florida State has seven on one side and four on the other, and LSU did not adjust at all. So one dude just breaks right through, breaks through the line, gets an easy an easy hand on the ball, and and obviously blocks the punt or uh, blocks that PAT, and then they they win. It just like the the whole like last two to three minutes just confused the crap out of me in terms of like a football standpoint because I'm like I don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but zero of it makes sense. I don't know that that it was fun to watch. Don't get me wrong, but like at least we weren't a part of it. Yeah, Drew gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no. I guess my two takes of the game were like one AR 15 is he's him. That offense flowed through him in his running game, um, going in late and then getting the seal on the defense. I thought that was a huge. Uh, obviously, they're going to get a win over Kentucky, in my opinion. And then we'll see what happens in a, in a few weeks there. But to see Brian Kelly and all those things and holding up the yell in the recruiting videos, and it's all coming back to you, like how kind of to backfire now and seeing all the memes and then seeing that reporter man, like that's just an awful start in Baton Rouge. I think he's a great football coach. I think he's gonna last there for the long run at LSU, but dang, it's gonna be a crazy story to like the national media when like the top big thing right now is like your first game and to make those kind of jokes and it's already kind of backfiring. Um, obviously, both teams are on our schedule, so I kind of wanted to point that out and mention those two. But I think obviously, when we play them, as Tennessee. A lot of these teams are gonna be better off. But I guess you know, Drew, if you kind of wanted to uh, hop in here, we're gonna take it into a new segment going into week two
1: yeah absolutely so obviously we're all going to transition to the pick game i think we could all agree that this is probably the biggest game in the josh hype era. this is really a make or break for him to put tennessee back on the national map obviously we know that we're back in the top 25 since 2020 but to give us a little bit more insight about pittsburgh and what's going going on over there uh we got carl ludwig from pittsburgh sports now who covers pit football and recruiting uh carl thanks for joining us man greatly appreciate it. taking the time
3: out of your day uh how are you doing yeah th- thanks guys appreciate being on tonight it's a pleasure to talk some sec ball tonight i know it's the first uh ever sec opponent at acrashure stadium so that's a me a blast on saturday wow nice. i didn't,
1: really know, that. I didn't I know, that. know that either mm-hmm. uh first off how hard is it for
3: you to call it acrashure seven hines i mean well, I, I still I, I i find myself almost every day going i'm you know, heading down to hines, uh, Acrisure stadium today. It just, it, it feels wrong. It, it feels wrong. Uh, I, I mean, they paid for it. They earned it, but like, it feels wrong still. It just seems odd to like, you know, just to have the acronym for your stadium now known as the ass. I mean, yeah. I mean, the players embraced it. They call it the act. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that yet, but I mean, make the most of what you got, I guess. I mean, AcroSure stadium. Not the best name, but the act could be worse, I guess. You know, it's no Hinesfield, Field, but... Right. I mean, got to de- move on, I guess. Definitely
1: doesn't roll off the tongue for sure, but to take it in a little bit more of a serious conversation, though, I mean, this is a really big matchup, two top 25 teams. Obviously, Johnny Major's classic, got to pay homage to one of the greatest coaches in Tennessee history, and I'm sure you could argue the same with him at Pitt as well. Um, Vols being a six-and-a-half-point favorite going in, which I think we could all agree is a little bit surprising. I mean, I... I wouldn't really put any money on that whatsoever personally. But, you know, there is a lot of questions about Pitt. So give a little bit of rundown for us and our listeners as well about what should we expect? What is, you know, what are the takeaways from Pitt's big win over West Virginia and like the areas of concern as well for you?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, obviously the big news is obviously with Kenny Pickett gone, Jordan Addison's gone. I mean, that's, like, if you, lo- you lose, the, you lose the a. Heisman third place finisher and a Blitinkoff winner. The offense is going to have some issues obviously, but Pitt did reload. They got uh USC's Keaton Slovis, who is a starter now. They uh, brought in an, a freshman all American in Akron's Conante Mumfield. They brought in a former ball in Bub means who went to law tech. He's here now. He's he has a, He's a big role in the offense. Uh, and they brought in Frank C. Denny jr. Um, as the new offensive coordinator, he spent the last two years at Boston college and, uh, his offense is really more run emphasized than the old offense under Mark Whipple. Um, not to say that it's a run heavy offense, but it's more balanced. Um, I think, I think we all know Kenny Pickett. The offense ran through him. He he it was his offense. He threw the ball when he wanted to, um, and it worked. It was uh, forty points a game. You can't argue with that. So it's the offense now is different, obviously, but um, it's more balanced. Uh, against West Virginia, it was about even the split with uh, running and passing. Um, they tried to establish the run early against West Virginia, and it didn't quite work out. Um, the offense really was kind of uh, it wasn't it didn't really like, click until the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more of a more of a filling out process throughout much of the game, where it was kind of just Frank Zignetti trying to find out what he had in his players and what. They what the players had in him and it really didn't click i mean they scored 38 points so it wasn't all bad but it didn't really click until the very end of the game there um and i think against tennessee we're gonna see a new offense again i mean the, the offense against west virginia they tried to establish the run and it'll be the same against tennessee but i think we'll see more of a passing attack against tennessee um i know tennessee lost some cornerbacks they had the same safety duo from last season but i think we'll see much more of a Emphasis to push the ball downfield. This week, I mean, they have some talented pass catchers. They have a good tight end. The O line is had a tough week against West Virginia, and they have a, a hunger to kind of push back and prove that it w- that was a, a blip on the radar. So, I mean, the offense is there are still questions to be answered, and I think Tennessee game will be huge in kind of figuring out what the offense and who who the offense is this season. It's gonna be it'd be interesting to see how they how they match up here.
0: Yeah, for sure. I definitely think that that uh that last drive like Kenny Pickett or not Kenny Pickett. Oh my God, Kaden Slav is going five for five. You know that that you know early in the game, kind of some troubles there, kind of getting used to it. You know got sacked what five times. Yeah, he then, did you know, five for five yeah. with that last drive. You know, perfect gave him a lot of confidence. Obviously, the defense goes out there gets the pick six to kind of give him the lead there. Um, I feel like that was huge for that offense going into week one. Uh, taking it to like the had Mark Whipple and then now going to this new approach. That's the old day approach actually of, you know, kind of trying to run the ball, an extra tight end out there. You yeah, got started off the game with, like, two tight ends, a running back and one receiver out there, a whole different scheme than last year under Whipple. Um, kind of going into this week, I know the defensive lineman coach today was talking about how, how fast our, our tempo is, that we're even faster this year, uh, and that it's like a whole science behind it and everything. You know, Tennessee, if they can get up a couple touchdowns, and, you know, with this new offense, like, what's kind of going to be Pitt's approach, you know, defensively and offensively to kind of scheme for Tennessee with the tempo? Is it going to be, like, the same thing? Because yeah, Patrick Narduzzi and uh uh Josh Heupel have a lot of history, but it's gonna be a different Tennessee Josh Hype than it was last year, you know, 14 games and then one game in.
3: Right, yeah. And I think that's the, the tempo is is gonna be a problem for Pitt. I mean, that twelve seconds from, from to snap the ball is is very, very, very fast. And uh Pitt's defense did struggle against the run against West Virginia. Um the def- the front set, the front four is still very talented, but the linebackers aside from Safasia Dennis in the middle. It's two, two guys who are making their first start at Pitt. Bengali um, Kamara, first game at Pitt, or first start at Pitt. Shane Simon, first start at Pitt. I mean, it's two guys who are still pr- pretty new, pretty inexperienced in in playing in Pat Nardisi's defense. And it showed against West Virginia. And that was an emphasis in practice this week, where they had to get better at, at, at being where they need to be on the field pre-snap to fill those holes, to, to, to make the right decisions and fill in the gap. And with a faster offense in Tennessee, they'll be tested early and often against, against this offense here. So it'll be interesting to see that. Um, I think it'll be a better performance from the defense this week. Just, just they, they were kind of punched in the mouth by West Virginia a little bit. It was, it was not what they, what they expected, not what they wanted. And they, they do have the, the desire to, to be better. I mean, Pat, the, the, Pat's the, his defense is, the whole thing he wants to do is stop the run. That's mm-hmm. what he wants to do every game. He wants to stop the run, and that leaves his his secondary kind of open to, to longer pass plays at times. So, I mean, if, if they can get those matchups out wide, I mean, they, and, they, and they stretch the field all the way across the field, so they can get those plays out wide, they'll have shots there. And it really comes down to if Pitt can can kind of, kind of write those errors in the middle, stop the run, and if they can't do that, then it may – be a long day for Pitt's defense.
0: Yeah, I, I guess my whole thing on that before I let Alex, you know, jump in here was that every meeting, you know, with Narduzzi and Heupel, it's been that Heupel's had actually less yards, surprisingly or not, with how he kind of goes out there and throws the tempo out at everyone else. It seems like Narduzzi kind of has like you know a way to kind of get better and better each appearance that they have. But then last year, also the first time playing Tennessee, it was Joe Milton out there, and there was a lot of missed opportunities that could have put you know Tennessee up early. So I'm definitely interested to see how that kind of rolls with it, with the new approach with the pit offense. And if Tennessee like does get up earlier, vice versa with how like it'll help if Tennessee's down early and, you know, Kaden Caden Slovis goes out there and his balls out or they get up early and the run game does get started. Cause I know y'all returned like what three leading rushers or three best backs last year. So... The, four,
3: the top four backs are all back. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I definitely expect, you know, Tennessee having trouble on the D line, trying to find their identity at linebacker. I definitely expect that run game to at least be alive. Um, Definitely, you know, Smash mouth
2: matchup going into the second half of Johnny Major's Classic. So Alex. Yeah, I'm glad you alluded to the linebackers, Brando, because like we like we just heard, Juwan Mitchell's out for this game as well. So I kind of want to get your take, uh, Carl, on if Pitt has anybody out and kind of what that means for y'all going forward this weekend.
3: Yeah. So there so entering the game against West Virginia, the right tackle, Gabe Hoy, he direct, so he didn't he was a non participant in the spring. Didn't do it. He was not at all involved in the spring. Um, he was out there this summer. Didn't he? Didn't practice though, and he dressed week one, but he didn't play. And I'm we're we're not quite sure what his status is. I mean, he had he had a uh, he had a lower body injury, but I would be doubtful he'll play against Tennessee. And that's just kind of part of the course at this point. But against against uh, West Virginia, um, defensive captain uh, D. N. Eslin Alexander left with an arm injury. Um, His status is also still undetermined. And then late in the fourth quarter, Rodney Hammond, one of those running backs, also suffered a leg injury. So he was in a boot um, after the game. He was was wearing wearing a brace on his ankle throughout practice this week, and he's also still kind of undetermined. And that's three big players who could be out for the game, especially Hammond, who kind of had like a breakout game against West Virginia. I mean, he had... (laughs) 75 on the ground and two touchdowns. He had a 50-yard catch, uh, swing, swing pass, catch, and run. I mean, he's part of a very deep running back's room, but he really is a player who could be missed if if he d- does miss time against Tennessee. So there's a couple guys who are, were watching for it to see if they'll play, and they're still kind of on the fence as of right now.
2: And your your captain that you was talking about, is he a D lineman or?
3: Yeah, he's D end. Yeah, Desmond Alexander, he plays D end. Uh, he's one of their best run stoppers on the defense, he was a, uh, he hit a right arm injury. Gotcha. Against West Virginia. And so he's also kind of still undetermined. So as of right now, there are three guys. Oh, and also Shane, uh, Brandon George, he is the backup Mike linebacker, middle linebacker for Pitt. He, uh, he got knocked, he got dinged up a little bit in camp and he did not dress against uh, West Virginia. So he's also someone who's questionable. So there, there's a few guys who are, Questionable at this point in time. Dr. Yeah. Um,
1: I guess like one question that we could throw to is like, you know, obviously for us is like we have a lot of concerns, especially with our secondary, or maybe I do probably more than anyone else. But <laughs> what are the big areas of concerns for you? Because you know, obviously losing, you know, Ronnie Hammond Jr. is a big, you know, that's a big loss if he is gonna be out on Saturday, considering, you know, he had almost 130 yards of all scrimmage yards. But, you know, also as well, you know, the offensive line did allow five sacks, though, against a West Virginia defensive line that is has obviously much improved from last year, but still not really considered one of the more higher, you know, best defensive lines in the, in the Big 12. So what is the one big area of concern for you going to do this game on Saturday?
3: Well, if you go based off, if you go one area for both sides, I go probably the offense. So, so the offensive line did allow five sacks, but part of that was Keaton Slovis' uh, kind of processing and recognition. Um, he played himself into three or four sacks that game. I mean, he first game at Pitt, he's still getting used to that system there, but he did he held on the ball for far too long at times and he kind of there were plays where he where he should have thrown the ball away and he just kind of tried to make plays happen that he as a veteran, he should know better than that. And it there there might have been some some receiver errors down the field, there might have been some miscommunications there, but the line was, was definitely not what it should be. Against West Virginia, and and they know that the the whole thing from the, from coach Dave Borbley, the line coach, was the standard was not met, and despite a poor game, despite a shitty game, as Narduzzi said throughout his Monday <laughs> press conference, they got the win, but there's still a lot to work with, and um, it's a veteran offensive line room. I mean, they played over 130 games, starts throughout their time together, so that's not as much of an issue. The main issue that I have right now is is the is the run defense. And, um, against the Mountaineers, they had a true freshman tight end come out and run for 125 yards on like oh nine. God. carries. He averaged like 19 yards a carry at the true freshman tight end from, I, I don't even know where. Uh, so the, it's, it's two young linebackers outside who, who will have to, to, to really, really key in on this deep. I mean, cause the problem with Tennessee is how fast they operate hmm. Uh, the linebackers will have to be in position perfectly every play, just to stuff those gaps. And if they're not, I I know it's a it's a it's a question mark running back room a little bit. I mean, I'm not sure if they have like the guy yet. But I didn't think West Virginia did either, and they had a got a true freshman run for 125 yards. So, if they cannot yeah. be better at 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 making those reads and and being more precise and more confident in making those tackles. It could be a very, very long day if, if, if Hendon Hooker is able to to stretch the field too. I mean, it's Pitt's defense is made to stop the run. If they can't do that against Tennessee, can be a very, very long day. You
0: no, know, I think that's a great point when you talk about you know getting lined back up with the tempo and everything because last year they were pretty able to stop the the running back room pretty well. Obviously, that's when Tyon you know Evans kind of went down. He wasn't there having an early Jalen Wright in his first ever collegiate game played last year. This year, you know that our lead guy is he's Jabari Small. And then you got backup uh, Jalen Wright this year, year two in college, and then also freshman emerging Dylan Sampson. When you point out like that, you know, and coming off the two, you know, rushing thing, I'll definitely be interested to see how the kind of gaps. When you said they, they were also already practicing week one of lining up in those right spots and getting lined up, I'll definitely be excited to see that. Because even Josh Heupel would admit that this offense, even though the passing, you know, game is in big chunk plays, it, it thrives in that, you know, running offense. So if that can happen, I can definitely see that. I guess on our side of things, I guess would be obvious from last week the defensive line, uh just you know, getting no pressure, even though they got a lot of pressure, no sacks, and then playing against an offensive line that's you know all brought back, you know, had a rough week one as a chip on their shoulder to have a good week two in, you know, their stadium, home stadium again. I'm definitely worried probably about our
2: defensive line, in my opinion. So Carl, I got a question for you. Do you think uh Coming off like an emotional victory, like West Virginia, do you think there's any going to be there going to be any kind of hangover for y'all going into uh, hosting us this weekend, or do you think y'all are just going to be ready to play from the jump? Well, that's been a problem in the past. I mean, look at last season,
3: especially they beat last year after the win in Knoxville, they come back and they lose to Western Michigan. Uh, they beat Clemson at home, lose next week to Miami. So there, there is a precedent of of winning these big games and then kind of blowing it the next week. And that's been that's been discussed. It's been talked about. I mean, consistency, uh, playing the right way, looking at every opponent as a chance to go win. I mean, they're saying all the right things after after practice, after games. But until you come out and do it and prove that you that you won't suffer. The, I mean, they they've learned. They've had chances to learn. Last season, they had two chances where they even against Tennessee, they had a the chance to come back and and beat much Michigan. It didn't happen. So it's a very veteran team, and a lot of veterans were there last season to to learn the lesson. But until they can prove it and bounce back from an emotional week one win against Tennessee at home this time, even uh, you just don't you don't know. Um, obviously, they're aware of it; they've discussed it at length. They know what what what's at stake here. I mean, this is a, a win here uh, against Tennessee; they could, they'll, they'll be borderline top ten in the country, and then they have a very easy ACC schedule after that. Where their real next real test is the last week of the season against Miami. So a win here sets them up for a potential dark horse playoff run, as crazy as it sounds. So I mean, they they know what's at stake here. They know that they've had this chance last season, as as early as last season, and they couldn't do it. So it's that that's a that's a that's a major test for Pitt this season to test the resolve, to test their consistency. So. It'll be very interesting to watch on saturday oh man yeah
0: i I love pat narduzzi he kind of had him fired up you know the press conference already you know coming off that huge backyard draw win and then also you know talking about you know going into this week you know kind of you know getting the locker room fired up with how he talks to him and you know kind of degrades him and make them get more out of him i think y'all also had a lot of help from the uh the stadium you know i forgot already the name i can't pronounce i always want to call it heinz field uh, yeah yeah. acres stadium you know, it was, you know, like 75-25 Pitt to West Virginia. It kind of felt like the lower bowl was really crowded with Pit fans uh, fired up from everything you kind of could see on the camera. Uh, West Virginia kind of up there, you know, more in the upper section, but still kind of showed out. All around, though, the, the crowd was pretty fired up. I guess this week, the main talk on the Tennessee kind of side of things, I don't know if you have any input on this or not, but, you know, the, the allotment that was kind of offered at Tennessee after last year, they what it was like a crazy, like 2,200 seats they got uh, offered all in the lower bowl. I think it was like 400 in the lower bowl for our band mostly, but like most of the top was like up top. Is that kind of like what like Pitt does like for like big games, like environment games, like opponents coming in, like yeah, or-
3: yeah. I don't think there's any any slight Tennessee or anything. I think it's just kind of the way they operate with their ticketing. Um, I know there, there's a lot of season ticket renewals, so there's a lot of people coming back. Um, I yeah, I, I I did see that the numbers were a little low but I can't really speak to what the typical – I guess I should look, probably look into it and see what the typical allowance is for opposing fans. But I, I think its that's about what the usual allowance is uh, per, uh, on a per-game basis, especially non-conference.
0: I mean, either way, I think that place is going to be rocking, Drew. i as you go back to this. Sorry. But I think I saw a thing that it was also, like, the biggest, like, sporting event in Pittsburgh. Like, most yeah, that was, that was, yeah, it was
3: six twenty two, I think. Total yeah, that's absolutely that, crazy. That was the biggest sporting event in Pittsburgh sports history, any team. So Wow. That was Yeah, that was the biggest game ever. So the fans yeah. showed up for that one. Yeah. yeah. I'm super
1: excited, so. I guess
3: probably the next question I would say is because, I,
1: if I'm not mistaken, Pitt's played basically at uh, Akersher, sorry, Akersher Stadium for almost 20 years now. Has Pitt, like, I mean, just because I, we don't – a lot of us don't really know much about Pitt football – and really, anything outside of the SEC, if we're going to be honest, um, have they like have they ever thought about maybe having an on-campus stadium or having their own stadium or like what's that kind of situation?
3: Yeah, I mean, they used to have an on-campus stadium that way back in the day, and then they played at Three Rivers for a little bit. And um, the on-campus crowd is definitely a very, very vocal contingent. Um, a lot of people want to have a stadium in Oakland, but it's it's just not going to happen. Um, Oakland's a very, very congested. Well, Oakland is the little. That's where Pitt is in Pittsburgh. Oakland is the little college town, kind of in the actual city. Um, and there was, at, there was at one time there was a stadium there, Pitt Stadium, and that. But that was that was years ago. And uh, I just don't. I know there's a very vocal kind of contingent of fans who want to have that brought back to Pitt, to Oakland, and have that like on campus kind of. Make it like a more of a college town kind of vibe, but I don't see it happening. And I think playing at Acre sure and having that kind of that tie in with Pittsburgh and the Steelers is um, from all the recruits that I've talked to. All of them they bring up, oh man, my my biggest takeaway. I watched the Steelers practice. I saw I saw, <laughs> I, saw Steve, I saw Mike Tomlin. I saw Najee Harris. And this, the the recruits they the recruits like that. Yeah, they they like having that proximity. They like having the same name recognition as the Steelers do. And that doesn't have much to do with like, the, the stadium rights or anything, but that's that's definitely something that, that that recruits look into. The the fan base might not like that at times, but it's not high Hinesfield. Acrisure's Stadium is not that far from Oakland. It's yeah, yeah it, I it's definitely just, think it's a good fit.
1: Yeah. I mean also as well. I mean that's a huge recruiting tactic especially to have Kenny Pickett to play for the Steelers as well. That
3: yeah, that's definitely uh that that was, that was a kind of perfect storm there with Kenny Pickett for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I guess
1: also the other thing is and I Carl, you got to give me your general honest opinion on this, all right? Like, you know, you could tell us you think it's going to be like 90-10 pit fans. I want I want the honest answer from Carl. What do you think the ratio is going to be between Pitt fans and Tennessee on
3: Saturday? uh well just probably based off of what we saw from from last week it was about 80 20 75 25 i'd probably go 90 10 i i do i'm not sure i'm not sure how well tennessee fans travel i can't i haven't watched well, i've never i've never really seen it in a tennessee away game personally but i mean i'm they'll have a, they'll have a a presence there i'm sure uh i'm just i've never seen tennessee at an away game Carl,
1: I'll be honest with you. If we were yeah. on the moon, I'm pretty sure we will be able to get 5,000 people on the moon. Like, that's, that's how ridiculous this fan base is. But, I, I, you know, I'm very jealous of a lot of people that would be able to make this trip. I mean, I had this on my bucket list for years. Just unfortunately just couldn't make it happen this year. But being able to watch the balls play, you know, in Acresher, home of the Steelers, it's going to be like an unbelievable atmosphere. And, obviously, it's going to be
3: great exposure for both programs, especially being on, on three. Yeah, programs. yeah, long time. Three thirty game on ABC. It should be a perfect day for it too. I think I lost oh, that yeah. snow it was eighty degrees and sunny at kickoff. It should be a, it should be a perfect game for it. Absolutely. I
0: think all the eyes in the nation will be on this game because I saw that the uh it's on ABC, but the CBS game, the uh, ESPN game, and the Fox game. It's just like not really that much competition for the uh, the three thirty slot. And then also, I think ESPN having tennis on. So I yeah, think yeah, they're, having, they're eyes, having tennis yeah, on during this. Yes. T- I, I saw that. Me. I saw that tweet. So all eyes are going to be on this Tennessee Pitt. Game. Everyone's watching this game for sure. Yeah, everyone's saying Kentucky Ford is the best top twenty-five matchup. I just think that's a mid matchup. I think this is obviously the best matchup for week two, in my opinion. Obviously, Alabama Texas there, but Tennessee Pitt, Johnny Majors classic, kind of the finale. No more scheduled games for this kind of thing, and then also honoring honoring the the great Johnny Majors, man. The guy that, you know, put both teams on the map and changed the trajectory in full. So wouldn't be here without, you know, the great Johnny. And I'm super excited, man. I guess the final thing I want to get from Carl, just his overall prediction for the game. Obviously, it's okay if you homer Pitt. I know you think Pitt's going to win. I'm kind of nervous because last time on the show, we had a guest and I predicted someone to win. We definitely lost to Purdue. So I just want to get your kind of take on the final way out.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've gone back and forth a bit uh, on this prediction. I think my final prediction for this game will be 41-31 Tennessee. Interesting. And I think I think Tennessee pulls it out. I think it'll be a high-scoring game.
2: And they cover the spread. You take us covering the spread. Oh my God! Friends yeah. at minus six and a half. It is,
3: I think this is this is Pitt's toughest game of the year, in my opinion. Wow. That's Tennessee, cool. Tennessee, right now is built to beat Pitt. Man, well, that if I play the game in November. Maybe, maybe it's a little different, right? As of right There's- now, Tennessee is is built to to. Their offense is probably just too fast and too quick to keep up right now with with the way Pitt is still kind of moving along with the with the install of the new players and the new offense. So forty one thirty one. You
0: want you want count to counter that, Drew, and
3: say Pitt wins?
1: I mean, you know, Carl, I was ready to argue with you
3: immediately, but I
1: I'm left speechless over here. I, I mean, I, you know i don't what do you have what what what's your score prediction i mean i don't know if we're going to cover the spread i would you know i think i said on our kickoff show it was a few weeks ago i think i said 38 32 or something similar like that 44 um, 38 30 34 38 wow. 44 34, 38 yep. yeah i would still say we would probably score i think it's going to be a very high scoring game i i just have zero faith in our secondary and our linebackers still got a lot of room for improvement so I'm sure we'll be able to give up a lot of some, a few big plays. But I just you know, I mean, I I think I think a lot of Tennessee fans would be disappointed if we come off of a loss because this is probably and you know, as like what I was mentioning with Brandon announced, this is probably the biggest game under Josh Hybel era because this is the first time probably since twenty fifteen Oklahoma where we're playing a power five conference team that's ranked and we actually have a shot at beating them. So, you know. It would be a huge win. I think it would speak volumes for Heupel, and obviously, it, it's kind of like it sets the tone for the rest of the season for both teams. I feel like it might. Yeah,
3: yeah so. it, it should be a very good game. I'd say. I think. I think both teams have a clear path to victory. I, I would. I would be. I guess I wouldn't be surprised with, with a win for either side. Right. I think, I think both teams have their chance to get to the win. Um It should be. A pre- I think it'll go down to the wire. I think we'll have like a play like. And like a, against West Virginia, we'll have a, a late play kind of really cement who wins the game. Yeah,
0: I think I think honestly that this is a huge win for both teams. Obviously, I think if Pitt wins this game, they're kind of set up for that like dark horse playoff picture, like you said, Carl. That this is like everything you know past this game. Like this is obviously like the toughest game of the season for y'all. But I think also for Tennessee, it's kind of what's going to make us, you know, jump as a program in the recruiting rankings and also as a football program as a whole under high school. Like getting that nine and three, it's personal this year. Like you have to do that and make that year with all the depth you're going to lose after this year. I think it's going to be like a huge, huge win. I'm very curious to see how the first quarter, you know, goes on with Tennessee having the biggest gap in point, first point, uh, first quarter point differentials. Um, last week left a lot of, you know, points on the field in, in Neyland Stadium. I can sure I want to see like how Hooker goes out there and balls, obviously uh, all new Hooker playing against a very experienced Pat Narduzzi defense. My Instagram, uh, I think I put my prediction was, uh, 42 31 on the ball script's Instagram. So I'm going to stick with that 42 31. I think Pitt scores in this defense. I don't think the defense is there yet, but I think they get that late stop. That's going to, you know, maybe stop and get that, you know, 11 point or 10 point win. So I think I'm gonna take the balls.
2: Yeah. Reviewing, reviewing the scores from the, the preseason show we had, um, Drew, you had forty-four thirty-eight. 38 Brando, you had 42-24. Lowe also had 42-24, and I went more conservative. I went 35-31. I actually do kind of – now looking at it, I feel like offenses are going to kind of blow up more in this one than than I kind of predicted earlier. So I could see it going into that 42-38 range, something like that. But I do think the Vols win, and I think we just – we have to win this one. Um, Pitt had their season last year. <laughs> um, I, th- I think it's, fi- it's fine that we get a turn. But I, I do think that this game, like you were saying, Drew, it definitely sets the tone for the rest of the season. I think winning this game puts us more on our way to our ceiling of nine and three, and then if we lose it, it pushes us more to our floor of seven and five. So I mean, like like you said, I, you can't repeat it enough. This this game is very important for Hyppol's tenure here, and it'll either make or break it. It won't make or break his coaching job. I will say it will it will definitely help the argument to keep him or turn the hot seat on um so it's definitely important it's important for both sides but obviously pat narduzzi didn't he just sign an extension recently yeah he's he's there for a while now through i was gonna say so, he, so he's fine so he's still got money coming in he's got a job at the end of the day hypo's still working for his but um yeah i would love to see the balls go on the road and get a big top 25 win on saturday absolutely well carl it was an
1: absolute pleasure. Thanks for talking to us. Uh, this was, I mean, this was awesome. You know, it's always great to get, you know, the opposition's, you know, insight, what their viewpoints are and what they see as Tennessee as a whole. So we greatly appreciate uh, you taking your time of your day. Join us here for a little bit, talk about football. And hopefully, uh, who knows, maybe, hopefully we'll have
3: another giant Majors Classic in the next few years. So Absolutely. yeah. Thanks again, yeah. guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, sure. Absolutely. Looking forward to Saturday for sure. Yeah, if y'all want to go
0: follow Carl, it's at Carl 8 on his personal. Also, you can follow uh, Pittsburgh uh, Sports Now at PGH Sports Now. Um, I love everything Pitt's doing. I love the connection with the Johnny Majors thing. I think Narduzzi's a hell of a coach, you know, winning the awards for his defense. It's not no coincidence. And there's no coincidence that he's been there six years. I think the ACC, after watching Georgia Tech, Clemson's kind of wide open. I think a huge year could be at stake. There's a lot of unhidden talent on that Pitt roster just because of, you know, Kenny Pickett, you know Jordan Addison leaving. I think this team is definitely a dark horse. And uh, Carl, thank you for joining us, man. Obviously, like Drew said, great to have that opposition, you know, insight. But hopefully, we can do it again sometime, maybe in the bowl game, or hopefully, this continues on the road. So appreciate Absolutely. you for joining us, man.
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Wow, that was uh, that Good was ball. all. However, however,
1: I do have to say, after having that great interview with him. <laughs> um, I just found out, you know, right before our show that uh, they announced the uniforms that we're wearing. Yeah, all white. Stormtroopers. It's terrible. <laughs> Come on. Come it's an on. outrage, It's a fucking outrage. Johnny, Johnny did not die for this, okay? No. Johnny,
0: Johnny Major would be sick if he saw wearing white britches, and I will die on that hill. He I may have, have not been alive for the Johnny Major's era, but I know that man loved him some orange britches, okay? And I know that, you know, even though. It's not a detrimental effect on this game going into this weekend, but dang, man. It would have been nice to go and get revenge wearing some orange britches.
2: I don't hey, know. So
1: yeah. Got f- to free the orange pants. I, I I swear, if we if we, if we see the great before orange pants, I'm going to lose it. Protest at the Rock with pitchforks, burning furniture. I, I'm not going to go that far,
0: but I will not. You don't want to get banned from campus like the last year. <laughs> I
2: also, I also don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't really have an opinion on the orange pants. I'm, I'm a fan of the stormtrooper. The stormtrooper fits, but the one thing, and this is minor, and y'all probably go hate me for this. I can't stand the black cleats, dog. They look so tacky with the all I, white uniform. I don't think we were. I
0: don't know. That's kind of weird because I remember when Hypo first came in here, it was like his whole kind of thing of like uniforms changing up and like the whole alternate things yeah. and like. You know, everyone hates the black cleats with it. I wonder if the social media team was kind of lazy to take, like, a format out of the Stormtroopers with the black cleats. Because when I watched the Ball State game, everyone had on their own cleats. Like, I saw a couple of black pairs. I saw a couple of white pairs. And I don't know if it's because it's an out-of-conference game. But I think some guys even had custom ones. Mm -hmm. So if that kind of changes here, I wonder if guys are just going to go all Uh, out white. Because you know these college kids, they love the drip. They got a pair of white cleats they're going to wear. They're going to wear them white cleats.
1: Let's be honest, though. Like, Hypool probably does not care at all. Okay, it's
3: yeah, not like an idiot like
1: Pruitt, where Pruitt's like, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I'm gonna wear black cleats because that's what we wore 1993 when I played for Alabama. We wore black. You know, like Hypo probably doesn't give two shits on what these guys are wearing. Just put out the good product on the field. Just get that dub. And that's all that matters. In the end of the day, they can wear damn pink cleats for all I care.
2: Just, just win. Just, it's always it's always that look good feel good play good idea i mean if if you if you're more comfortable in something that looks good like you obviously gonna you gonna be more comfortable you're gonna be more relaxed you're gonna be looser you're gonna play well so I mean I'm with you that's why that's why I was like kind of like I guess not turning up about it but i like, I was like don't throw all those like tacky-ass black cleats with the white with the all white uniform like wear whatever you want and just like go ball out that's me I'm just
1: yeah. I'm just saying man Johnny Johnny is wrong in his ground. Johnny didn't was,
2: <laughs> Johnny didn't
0: die yeah, for this. Yeah. Johnny Johnny is yeah. So, one, I'm super excited to see the uh, the ceremony they have for Johnny in Pittsburgh this week after what we did last year. Uh, two, I guess uh, I want to give everyone the option. We have seven, you know, YouTube viewers. I'm not sure how many on Twitter. I want to give everyone the option if you want to comment in the comments before we kind of get off here, uh, you know, comment some Q&A, kind of discover that. I wanted to ask uh, Drew and Alex, you both, um, Carl, you know, getting off, what was your biggest takeaway? Because for me, it was kind of the injuries. It was more than I thought. I obviously heard about the edge rusher. I've heard about, you know, the offensive linemen kind of being banged up and, you know, all those starters in the rough week they had. But that linebacker thing, you know, you know, not, you know, learning how to line up and everything like that with the tempo, how many times last year against South Carolina, Missouri, did we see guys not lined up where Tennessee went out there and put up 45, 60 points? That's going to be huge for this offense. Last year, you know, it was Joe Milton. This is Hendon Hooker who's going to be locked in. It's personal for Hendon. You know, he's not only played these guys here at Tennessee, but at Virginia Tech, he's one and two against them now. I think he wants this win. Josh Hyper wants this win. What was y'all's kind of biggest takeaway from Carl?
1: Yeah, you know, the big surprising thing for me is I thought he was obviously, you know, naturally going to be like, oh, the offensive line because we allowed five sacks. But for him to say that, like, the run defense is a major concern, and for them to, like, allow a freshman tight end to run 125 yards on them is, like, mind-blowing. But, you know, it, you know I was thinking about that as he said that. You know, this is – that is where – where whether Tennessee's going to win this game or not. Because, you know, we still – I mean, and they're they're small questions. I mean, we we can all agree that there is talent in our running back room. But this is – I mean, this is the moment for Jabari Small and Jalen Wright as well, big time, that they come up to play against a big-time opponent and take advantage of their weak run defense. Because if we don't take advantage of that, I know their secondary is not very good, but they still got a really good defensive line that's going to put pressure on Hooker despite having Deslin Alexander out for the game as well. So they it all comes down to our offensive line. If they're able to hold up and then allow to have those open holes for, you know, Jalen or Jabari or even Dylan as well, to be able to get that big 15, 20, 30-yard run. So um, that was probably my biggest biggest takeaway from it. And, I mean, I mean, guys, let's, let's be real. You know, like, we're going to whip their ass, all right? Like, I'm not, you know, I was trying to be humble towards Carl, but, like, we're oh my God! We're Listen,
0: I think I think as I get closer to game day, it's probably gonna be more and more closer for me. I don't know. I just think this pit team has a lot of talent. I think at wide receiver, um, obviously they didn't have over a hundred rushing yards against West Virginia, but they did have a crazy amount of passing yards when they got got heating up. Uh, that play action defense is gonna be key. I'm kind of worried about that with our corners and safeties of how able they're kind of to dial in on that play action play and not get beat deep like last year what we saw at Sean Rucker whenever that, I'm not to single anyone out, but when we saw DBs in the Purdue game, especially, you know, get kind of burnt kind of there. That's just kind of something, you know, the play-action game is going to be key. Um, run stopping, you know, our guys love to, you know, gain tackle, so I think, you know, if we can, you know, stay tackling there, that might be key in the running game. But that DBs and, you know, the pass game, the play-action offense is going to be kind of scary. They're playing like it's 1955, like Coach Majors
1: is out there still coaching. So just to be fair, like, just, just to make sure I heard that right, you're, you said that like you're worried about their wide receivers, right?
0: Well, they okay, so yeah, they lost Jordan Addison,
1: right? I mean, but they have. You're telling me that said, you don't think our secondary is going to do well. I mean, good. Your
0: it. your whole take right there for the whole pick game was the
1: secondary. I don't
0: want to. You just said this two minutes uh, first ago. First
1: of all, it's called sarcasm, Brandon. All right. whatever. Well, <laughs> Whatever. Listen, listen, <laughs> I, just think, I just think
0: that, I don't know, man. As long as we're out there, play action is going to be key, man. That's all I know.
2: No, I agree completely with you. That all knowledge of I just, I know, I know the uh, the freshman transfer that he was talking about, um, uh, uh, that they brought in from Akron. I just know that there better not be one corner spotlighting him. I, I know that it should be a different corner uh, that's not number four. But uh, no, I agree with you, True. Um, I w- I was also kind of keying into the whole – the freshman tight end ran for 125 yards, but also kind of also buying into that problem of like their linebackers weren't getting lined up. If, if their defensive captain can't go, who's probably the one out there getting everybody lined up and getting everybody under control go. after a big play, or maybe he's the one like setting the tone himself by, by making a big play himself, that will even just throw their defense more into – like more uh, – throw another wrench into their problems of saying like, dang, like – now who do we look at? Like, our, our leader's not out here. Like, who are we supposed to look at? Like, we just all run around like chickens with our head cut off. And then before you know it, there's there's two or three more offensive plays right at you from the ball's offense. So I think that if if Hooker can extend plays with his legs, if he can be a threat on his own in the running game, because he only had 13 rush yards against Ball State. But if we get more quarterback design runs, if we get Jabari a little bit more active, uh, keep, keep right as active as he was, then <laughs> – I think I think the ball's gonna be just fine. Y'all goofy. <laughs> my cop drew sneeze, like, What the man. fuck? <laughs> nah, I'll
0: give credit to Hinden. I'll give credit to Hinden, man. Even though he had 13 rushing yards, you know, two touchdowns. Um, my biggest thing for Hinden running the ball last year, a lot of the times he didn't know how to make the read, you know, being the first year in the high pool offense kind of early. You know, in the ball state game, even though it's respectful, like again the fifth time, it's ball state. This guy, you know, he was watching the linebackers, watching the edge rushers, and he made the read to kick the ball. You know, Javari would have got smacked. And, you know, last year there was a lot of games where, you know, fourth and short, third and one, where we didn't get that first down. And Pinnick, you know, get his legs going. You know, that knee's finally healthy after the old Miss game last year, even faster this year. I think, you know, pick game, will definitely see some running. I think that just to how they're going to play and line up kind of deep to kind of cover up their missed gaps and, you know, play with that uh, offense and, you know, like give up like short plays, I think that's going to give Hinden the ability to kind of run as well. Um, you saw what Joe Millen did to him last year, even though he over, you know, Missed some balls, respectively. You know, he also got some really good rushing guards. It was great on his feet. So, definitely
1: excited to see that. But, I mean, boys, big game on Saturday, 3.30 kickoff on ABC. First time the balls have been on ABC since the battle at Bristol back in 2016, which is a crazy thing. I'm thrilled to death. Obviously, if there's going to be any place you want to watch this game at, it's definitely going to be Skybox Bar and Grill over on nice. Saturday afternoon. You know – Ricky and DJ and the boys over there are gonna have that place rocking. Get yourself a nice little plate of nachos, nice little cold draft of shiner box. Probably one Tito's of the sprite shiner box in town by a mile. And hot
0: wings. Oh, <laughs> uh, don't get the hot. I mean, get the hot wings, man, be prepared, man.
1: Do not get the hot wings.
0: But unless you want to end up like me and Juice Davis,
1: be prepared, man. Those things is no joke. But you know. Obviously, nice little plate of wings, nice little beer, great little atmosphere. Obviously, I'll be there in spirit, of course. Uh, I'll be traveling on Saturday, unfortunately. But not unfortunately. It's actually for a good reason. But, boys, what an episode. It was great to have Carl join us, get a little insight, a little different perspective on Pitt, what we should look forward to. I think there's going to be a lot of questions answered, and this is the biggest game probably for Tennessee and probably since I would say at least 2018. Easily, if not 2015. So, a big game put Tennessee back on the national map where they truly belong. And I think if with the win over Pitt, pit, and if you do it convincingly, cover the spread, I think you're seeing a top 15 ranking within the next week. So, yeah. Huge, definitely. huge, huge game. So, any last thoughts for both y'all? Uh,
0: I guess I'll say definitely the biggest game in a while. Obviously, this makes not that it makes or breaks, you know, the coaching search, but definitely the trajectory of Tennessee recruiting everything else. Um, last year, you know, left the sour taste. A lot of the guys that are still in this roster's mouth going in this year. It's, you know, a pit team. I definitely expect, you know, Tennessee to come out this week 2-0. I definitely expect to be back next Wednesday 2-0. and And um, I think we're going to go out and get the win, man. I think that, you know, a crazy week one left them banged up. They kind of put a lot of energy in that rivalry game. But Tennessee's out here hungry. We want revenge. It's personal. I think about that. Hendon Hooker first down playing that pick to end the game every night. And I'm ready to go out here and get this W, man. I think Tennessee wins this game, and we come back next week 2-0, looking forward to Akron
2: on a Saturday night. So no doubt, no doubt. Absolutely. Also, for those that uh that love and follow low, she will also be back next Wednesday. So I just want to throw that out there. We did miss her today, but it's always good to get the boys together, and talk some stuff, and also I have Carl on. That was great. Um, definitely looking to get other people from other fan bases on because that, that was a ton of fun. It gives you just a, a different kind of insight. And you don't have to hear us ramble the entire time. You just get a different perspective on stuff, so that's really good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I see y'all Saturday at 3.30. That's all I got to say. Absolutely. Who knows? Maybe maybe we'll be able to get Matt Jones.
1: Sorry.
0: <laughs> I just wanted to point out, that's three <laughs> guests. Three guests the past three episodes in Trey Wallace, Christopher Gabriel, and now Kurt. You know, Trey Wallace breaking the broom before news. Carl. Christopher Carl. Gabriel, Carl, 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 Sorry. <laughs> I can't remember Heinz Field and sure I can't remember nothing. I'm sorry. I love Carl. Carl was our best guest yet on the show, in my opinion. I love Trey, Mitch and Brew. Uh, you know, Christopher Gable being him and now Carl. So a huge W. Can't wait to see it back next week, 2-0. And I'm just excited, man. But that's probably gonna do us do it for us back live, full in effect next week. The Balls ATV crew. Shout out to Skybox, shout out to the Balls ATP crew, Follow us on all socials, and that'll do it for us. Until next week, guys. Go balls.
1: Yes, sir. Goodbye.
0: Go balls. Balls.